When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't touch that phone. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network, and there's no escape. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. We left our hero exhausted and uncertain. The celebration of his inauguration had been somewhat soured by the realization that, if the burden of his new job doesn't kill him, one of his new colleagues almost certainly will. Yes, when we left Vice-Chancellor Ward, he had quite enough to worry about. As we rejoin him, His cup of woes runneth over. This is Day 8, Part 1. The time is out of joint. It is the eighth day of the return to Watergate. The time and place of writing is around six o'clock in the evening, in the private study of the manse of the Vice-Chancellor. We begin. Where is he? Where's he hiding? Out! Blast and twist you. Where does the son of a bitch slink off to when he's not hijacking you for his bloody joyrides? Oh, it's all coming into focus now. All so clear. He's probably been robbing you for years, and you couldn't be sure before. Couldn't be quite certain, because your schedule's always been your own. Adrian the Wanderer. Adrian the Dreamer. Who can say what he'll do next? Adrian the Mastermind. Adrian the Visionary. 
Adrian's got his name on the building. Who shall question when and where he comes and goes? A minute lost here and there, and even you none the wiser. Nobody would suspect you of being a temporary imposter, and even you never suspected until he got greedy, started stealing you for hours at a stretch, started dumping you in parks and cafes and the bloody Hudson River. <laughs> oh, but he couldn't hide today, could he? Today was not an Adrian day. Today you were on Baz time, not a moment unaccounted for. Busy, busy, busy day. Got to count the very seconds. Squeeze the unforgiving minute to the pips squeak. Pinned your life down on the board. Sliced it into careful pieces, and there he was. Stealing bits of dull stories, sucking up a cup of tea here, a glass of port there, leaving you with nothing but embarrassment and confusion and a bitter aftertaste. Oh, he's a sneak thief, a pilferer of petty increments and he's not getting away with it any longer. Parker stalk's not enough. You've got to start bugging yourself. Yes. Record everything. Let it drain your battery. It's not as if you're making phone calls. Yeah. Maddening. Oh, as if one were not mad enough already. Collaborating in the conspiracy against yourself. And it is a conspiracy. Don't you doubt that for an instant. Stymied, stymied at every turn. Oh, Baz can talk all she likes. But you've seen this farce from the other side of the footlights. This Mr. Mystery, this simpering pawn, this old Midwinter Hill business, rotten to the core, all of it. When a door doesn't open for Adrian Ward, it's because somebody's leaning on it from the other side, putting all their weight behind it, too. Well, there's not enough weight in the world, not if you decide to push back properly. This is your university. Who the twist is Chandra bloody mystery to say you're not allowed? <laughs> but no. No, he doesn't say it. His type never do. He is so very apologetic. He is ever so helpfully helpless. He is just too, too embarrassed and will certainly do everything in his non-existent power to see the situation rectified. But for now, alas, his hands are tied. National security concerns, you know. And the Ministry of Defense has simply no sense of humor. Ha ha ha. Bloody teenagers with assault rifles, goggling at you from the other side of Eden's Gate. Oh, just a misunderstanding. 
to be sure, to be sure. Passes, permits, paperwork, red, red tape. A mere administrative oversight, but what can you expect? These things do happen. <sighs> like pests they do. Security clearance? Under whom do they imagine themselves to be speaking? You have played four-deck Trimalchio at the grave. You've been on holiday on islands that aren't allowed on maps. Left early because they're bloody boring, but still. You built the roads that the world's money runs on, and you're only a knight of the sodding realm, that's all. None of which should matter in the slightest, which it clearly doesn't for some moon-howling reason, because you're the vice-bloody-chancellor. No, it's a diplomatic incident, that's what it is. Seriously, though, Watergate is a power apart. The Devil's Vatican, Widdicombe called it, and too bloody right. So give the devil his due. The RAF can have its little security cordon if it likes, but they are on foreign soil, and when the king of the castle drops by, you do not ask to see his papers. <sighs> public-private partnership, or no public-private partnership, it's your shop. And when you do get your little plastic badge, you'll pull those spotty-faced Johnny Rambos inside out and make them swallow themselves. Now, now, rein it in. Be reasonable, eh, self-old man. They can't have just anybody strolling in the front door. After all, without a bit of gatekeeperly rigmarole, what would stop Tom the Usurper from popping by with their junior detective spy camera spectacles? Oh, Midwinter Hill Center for Integrated Science, is it? How fascinating. Yes. But, dash it all, you're not them. You're you. Usually. You've got the pain in your ass to prove it. No. <laughs> the cruelty of it all. To invite the little frozen waif into the toy shop for a formal introduction to the painted pony. Then keep him waiting on the threshold with a gun in his face, while Baz goes poking about to figure out which idiot filed the wrong form with the home office. What sort of bastard would do such a thing? <laughs> bastard indeed. <sighs> yes, this must be their work. Mystery's theirs, a wheedling little pleb. He's got his fingers on every button and his eyes on every screen, no doubt, taking his little notes, making his little reports. Oh, you'll get inside if you have to beat the bloody door down. But even then, he'll be watching every move you make. <sighs> yes. And, twist it all, he'll understand what he sees. 
They wouldn't have figured it out. They'd never have had a clue. They knew Project Sybil must be naughty because you worked so hard to hide it. They never even suspected the end game. You're breathing, that's proof enough of that. <sighs> All that sleight of hand with strings of shell corporations and charities and private laboratories. If you just stuck the whole thing under one roof and said you were inventing a better diet cola, you'd still be riding high. And sibling would have a big sister on the way. <laughs> All under one roof. And at Midwinter Hill, you could do just that. But not with Mystery looking on. Not if he's one of theirs. He's not just a scientist, he's a cross-disciplinarian. He hasn't got your imagination, or your ambition. But he knows the game, and he'll recognize it in a heartbeat. You can't hide that signal from him, not if they've got him watching for it. It would take more noise than you could stir up in a century. <sighs> He'll know just what to watch for. You could play the longest game of your life. Spend a month mucking about with geophysics. A year on protein engineering. A decade tracking viruses. It won't matter. Plant one toe on the gossamer bridges that span the gaps between neurophysiology and artificial intelligence and different self-engineering and biocryptic interfacing and... Off he'll run to tell Nanny. Do it at noon, and by 12.03pm it'll be the talk of the Vox Inordita. Yes. And from there, it's straight into the hands of the Manasokaido, Black Jack Hoborn presiding. Hmm, your distinguished fellow council member. Whatever has become of collegiality. And then you'll have a heart attack or a stroke. Or perhaps you'll just wander off into the empty space between the pages of history. Another VC disappeared. Just like Sir Reggie. Quel dommage. Yes. And you'll have shown them the real threat of Midwinter Hill. The threat of any well-equipped lateral visionary in this era of grand connections. <laughs> They'll bury mystery right beside you. And there will be unanimous assent that Aldergate's been far too independent for far too long. They'll turn the screws, and the university won't stand a chance. These stone walls may stand forever, but the enemy is already inside. Changes will be made. Your replacement will be selected. Everyone will cheer, just as they cheered today, and Aldergate will be just another blackbird baked in the pie. <laughs> Bravo, self. You've gone and hidden in the middle of the bullseye. Even if they can't agree to scrag you outright, how can they resist a campaign of destabilization? 
Perhaps it's begun already. Perhaps it began ages ago. Only connect. Could they be behind these episodes somehow? Slow poison and stagecraft. Meddling with the gaslight. Drive him to the edge. That's their game. Get him close enough, and if he doesn't jump, he'll be easy enough to push. Bastards. <sighs> One paranoia at a time, what? Keep going like this, and you may as well stake out a nice comfortable street corner where you can mumble out your grievances properly. Sinister spies. Agents with false faces. Someone is stealing your time. <laughs> Go down that road and you're handing them the game. Stick to the plan. It is what it was and always will be. First, you resurrect. Um. Um. There's a bit of technical detail here. Not relevant to the story, and perhaps not the sort of information one ought to broadcast. Anyhow, it all comes full circle. <clears throat> the plan is the plan is the plan. The grand design. Nothing can change it, only how it's carried out. Follow the plan. Do what you can. And if it all goes pear-shaped, well, at least you won't have submarined yourself ahead of schedule. If they do beat you in the end, you can at least make them do it without your help. Yes. <sighs> and you are not helpless, you know. You are alive. And you are Adrian Ward. Most of the time, at least. These are no mean things. Stiff up a lip, eh? Duty calls. <sighs> Today it called loud and long. Come and meet the unwashed hordes. Well, that's not fair. Seem pretty well scrubbed, most of them at least. Under other circumstances, they're just the sort you'd have met and grit with relish. You'd already heard of most of them, and not just because they're college heads. They're all achievers and formidable ones. And they're the lordlings of your little provinces. Which makes it all the more galling that you're barely even in the door, and already they've decided to be thorns in your seat cushion. And... Bah! Dash it! You've been so on edge that you can barely remember a thing, even about the parts for which you were present. Your memory is like Swiss cheese. Not the regular sort, that... Baby Swiss stuff. A lacework of holes so tiny that you can barely see them individually. Then again, perhaps what you've got is a headful of gorgonzola, shot through with pockets of mold and ripening all the time. Ugh. Dreadful metaphor. Dreadful. Focus, now. 
Do it in order. Step by step, by the numbers. Where you left off last night. You wound up kipping on the hearthrug for the few brief hours you'd left yourself. Yet, somehow you woke up bright and chipper, and managed your one-handed toilet with both effectiveness and efficiency. You know full well you're operating on borrowed time, and you even considered slipping into the Scarbell Houndstooth in case you got the chance to sneak in a nap somewhere. In the end, however, you chose the blue Alice Charles Power One button, because it takes no guff, and you figured you'd want something breathable to go dashing about in later on. Good thing, too. In anything winter weight, you'd have pressure-cooked yourself with your own righteous indignation. Bah. Well, the less said about that disgraceful scene at Midwinter Hill, the better. When it became clear that the Tour de Bonehenge wasn't in the cards, Baz did some quick thinking and even quicker phoning. She dragged you off before you could cause any more of a scene, slung you back into the Bananamobile, and took the North Loop around and into Weatherby so you could have a chat with Director Jay instead. Now, she is a delight. You knew Andy Jay by reputation only. She's one of those public sages whom the better class of pundit likes to quote as a sort of generally acknowledged voice of reason. That's all from her days at the CDC, of course. For the past decade, she's given her attention exclusively to Aldergate. Her Scarlet O'Hara twang has softened over the years, but not her dedication, and Weatherby Medical Center has flourished under her hand. Director Jay's office is in Weatherby 4, the admin and record building, the one that looks like a confused concrete brontosaurus. It's the only part of the Weatherby complex you can really see from the bypass, which, it must be said, is pretty lucky for the motorists. <laughs> You've really got to see it in person to fully comprehend the otherworldly awfulness of the Weatherby architecture. Tis said that, when work was complete, Le Corbusier looked upon what he had wrought and wept. He described it as the ultimate, never to be equaled, never to be surpassed. Asked whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, he ran off to Switzerland and never came to Aldergate again. There's four main buildings, most notably Weatherby One. That's the one Monsieur L'Architect dubbed La Gorgone, a great lopsided grey concrete tower coated in patches of drooping lumps and jutting scales. A hemispherical head radiates jagged, boxy protrusions, private suites for VIP patients who don't mind being dangled in midair. All you can say is, they must look a dashed sight better from within. Then there's Weatherby 2, which is accident and emergency. You know those macaroons you buy from the little cart at Charles de Gaulle Airport? The ones with the distressingly perfect symmetry? W2 is made out of those. Enormous sloppy stacks of them. 
Strips of glass between the upper and lower meringues allow the people inside to gaze longingly out at a world that isn't made of awfulness. Your first thought on seeing W2 was that things seemed pretty quiet. But, of course, almost all the coming and going isn't visible from street level. On the bypass side of the encircling wall, great intake ramps swallow incoming cars and ambulances into the Weatherby A&D machine. While you were up in Director J's office, you saw your crush, Valerie the Valkyrie, hop off the roof of W2 and go humming off south over the colleges. You asked if that meant there was an emergency, and Andy J said probably just donor organs or biohazard specimens needed collecting. The thing about the Valkyrie is that it's too much fun not to use, and the hospital's service area doesn't always provide enough fresh victims to keep the little white toaster in the air. Oh, and speaking of the Valk, Weatherby 3 is tucked away a bit from the rest of the campus. What you saw of it is distressingly ribbed, a cut-glass bubble in a concrete cage. W3 is Clinical Engineering and Medical Sciences, home of the bright lads and lasses who partnered with Buckminster College to make the Valkyrie fly. They do a lot of other interesting things besides. If mystery continues to be a bore, perhaps you ought to look into Weatherby 3. But back to Director J. That was a half-hour pleasantly spent. Wonderfully frank woman. Sir Reggie must have adored her. She asked you up front if you had any interest in hearing her plans for facilities reinvestment. Was she staying inside the endowment? Absolutely not. But she had donors lined up for all but a few of the shiniest items on her agenda. Oh, yes. And how much would they cost the university? <laughs> she said it clear and said it cold. Two options. Run over by 17 million over the next three years, or run over by 600 million over the next five. Option A keeps worth a B among the top medical research universities in the world, but only just. Option B now... <laughs> well, she didn't half-paint a picture for you. And, as an added inducement for an immediate verbal commitment of support, she offered you the breakfast sandwich she'd just bought in the Lagorgon canteen. Peppers and scramble on a toasted sesame bagel. Delicious. The Feast of Reason hit a bit of a speed bump when you noticed, of all things, one of those ballet masks hanging on the wall of Director J's office. You found yourself oddly put out by it. The woman can please herself, of course, but there's something so... What's the word? Disreputable? Not quite right, but for want of a better, so disreputable-seeming about the things... It's all very well for a bunch of theatre students mucking about on the pent, but one expects more from executive directors. You wouldn't have dreamed of saying anything, of course, but she followed your gaze and laughed. I see you've noticed my souvenir. She got up, 
pulled it off the wall, and handed it to you. It's not a real one, I'm afraid, she said, with a roguish wink that was doubly flummoxing, firstly because of the incongruity, and secondly because you'd no idea what it meant. Not one of Mr. Arkwell's, I mean. It's a bauta, a present from my niece. She bought it in Venice for me. I keep it to make Chandra uncomfortable. Not that he ever comes to visit any more. Yes, that was an interesting tidbit. It seems that sensible old Andy J never did quite get on with your new nemesis back when he was chief physician at Weatherby. It was a productive sort of antagonism, but his absence has made my heart fonder of the man than it ever was before he left. I always felt like Chandra doesn't quite care for aldigation ways. He lacks the broad perspective, and we're all just a bunch of cultists. That's what he calls us, monomaniacal fanatics with no sense of the larger purpose. I can't argue with him there, you know, but genius has always been an irregular substance. The best work happens when you let your people charge ahead on their own. He's the kind of man who likes to talk about synergy, wants everybody marching in lockstep towards the future. Can't argue with him there, either, I guess. I hope he's happier at Midwinter Hill. You and Director J are going to get on just fine. You're more curious than ever about this mask business, however. This is quite right. The Venetian mask is subtly different from the ones you've seen on the pent. It's... Dash it all. There's been so much going on, you haven't had a moment to think. What did she mean by one of Mr. Arkwell's? What have they got to do with Arkwell? And which Arkwell, if it comes to that? You'd assume she meant the old man, but it's difficult to imagine an invalid shut-in cavorting about on mask. Then again, if Simon Arkwell has remade himself as a sort of modern-day Savonarola, it hardly seems likely that he'd have much truck with a troop of merry mummers, either. Hmm. Now that you think of it, isn't there another Arkwell kid kicking about? You feel as if you heard something to that effect. Some sibling of Simon's, but you don't recall him ever mentioning it. Hmm. If that's the case, and if they're in Aldergate, you probably ought to know about it. The university's first family may not be unreservedly popular, but in this town they are beyond question the straw that stirs the drink. Whatever that means. <sighs> so, you had your meeting, and you said goodbye. And then... Yes. Then things got strange. As previously mentioned, most of the Weatherby motor traffic happens out of sight under Weatherby 2, but there is a little parking lot for execs and VIPs, sandwiched between Weatherby 4 and where the Jackman School of Nursing sticks out of La Gorgone. You'd plan to meet Baz at the car. 
Rounding a Range Rover, you saw that the Bananamobile had acquired two new friends. And, as the strangest sort of luck would have it, self-old boy, you recognized both of them. And you'd barely had the chance to muse that it really is a small world after all, when you witnessed a most dramatic little scene. You couldn't quite grok it then. You can't quite grok it now. <sighs> yeah, put simply, is what happened. Parked on one side of the Bananamobile was the Battenberged Panda Car, proud chariot of the Autogate Constabulary. On the other side, you saw Chief Constable Standish himself, bending stiffly at the waist to chat with the back seat of the other car. Yes, your old friend, the Scarlet Cloudesk, looming over both Robin and Astra like a gore-stained ziggurat. You could not see to whom Standish was speaking, but there was no mistaking the laugh that erupted from the lowered window. <laughs> not a friendly laugh, you've decided, and there were not friendly words that followed. Heck, heck, worms meat, boy. You're a sharp stick of wet bone, but take care you don't mistake your position. Threaten me, will you? Heck, heck, heck. Standish put in at this point, respectfully, but you could see his face in profile. Ashen. He looked as bad as you felt a moment later. To think you'd been just about to trot over and offer a hearty thank you to the man who'd lent you his ride the day before. Needless to say, you did not do that. Of course not, sir. Standish looked calm, but he did not look well. Not well at all. This is simply a new development, but it is an urgent one. There isn't too much time left. If I'm unable to get to him before... The laugh became a coughing fit. Then the dry old voice again. Not more than a whisper, but it carried your ears quite clearly. Your time means nothing to me, Doctor. You mean nothing to me. Just another name on the list of bodies that want burying. You keep yourself off the top of that list by being worth more than you cost. <laughs> we all have lists, Sir John. There was a strange sort of patience in Standish's voice, as if he were explaining how the horse-shaped pieces move. The arrangement has not changed, but the particulars... Particulars! Blackjack Hoborn, for it was he, made a sort of whinnying sound. Particulars! Arrangement! You gutless gelding! 
you spineless little drag. <laughs> Whatever it is you think you have buys you exactly what you've got, and piss all besides. Try me another day, and you'll find I've got another list altogether. <laughs> It's a short list, and I like to keep it short. Drive. The Cloudesk awoke with a growl, and slid out and away. You watched it go. Well then, it is said that one ought to keep one's friends close and one's enemies closer. However, that becomes a complicated task when one cannot be quite confident of knowing which is which. It seems that Sir John is, and has been, very close indeed. Why is that, do you suppose? We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday at thealtergatepapers.com Find The Altergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well. And spread the word, won't you? This may be my story, but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio. Or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.